You're listening to the O'Reilly Radar Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Webb. In this special holiday episode, we're featuring a podcast crossover of the O'Reilly Design Podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud. O'Reilly's Mary Tressler hosts the Design Podcast, and in this episode, she chats with Airbnb's Head of Experience Design, Katie Dill, about the values that drive design at Airbnb, the Triforce structure of the company, and the process of journey mapping their users' experience. Enjoy the show. Katie, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. I'd like to start off with talking a little bit about what the values are that drive your work, um, your design work at Airbnb, and what the goals are. Absolutely. Well, we have actually a few different ways of looking at the values that are behind our work and the way we do our work mm-hmm. and the team behind it. Uh, so for a starting point, our company has core values. Uh, and the, there are six points, it's actually on our website. Uh, there are six points that kind of drive the values of all the people that work here. And some of which you know, are things like championing the mission or embracing the adventure and having an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. But then there are three that are pretty much uh, behind all of the design work, as well as the thinking and the processes of the people that work here, which are being a host simplifying and that every frame matters. Hmm. So with those three, you know, they become really powerful in our design decisions and we translate that to our work. So being a host, we think about how do we use the digital platforms that we design for to help people along in their journey, uh, to invite them into an experience or a new part of the world or a new relationship uh, with a stranger that they're meeting for the first time. How do we use, uh, for example, the color of our interface or the way that we show the content to make it more accessible to them and inviting uh, and make it more readable. So even our content choices, the language that we use, we try to make it really uh, comforting, accessible, very human, just like a host would. Hmm. And that same thing goes with simplify. Uh, We want to be clear and to the point. And so we reduce the noise. Uh, During the rebrand, which happened last summer, we uh, did a visual refresh on every pixel across our website and our app. And a part of that was simplifying the interface. So removing what a lot of people term as Chrome, all of the things that kind of outline buttons or outline spaces and reduce that so that the content was a hero. And that was all a part of simplification. Mm -hmm. And then the last piece, uh, Every Frame Matters, uh, what that is in reference to is uh, the frames of a storyboard. Uh, So every frame, meaning that every point uh, in the journey matters. Uh, and so that's a lot about you know how we're thinking about designing for the experience is that it's not just about one screen that someone looks at, or it's not just about the app. It's not just about one moment in time, but it's every moment that one would be a part of in the journey that someone goes on. And so we think about it as every frame, but on a design team, we also think about it as every pixel. The details really matter. We want to have consistency and quality across every frame of that experience so that at the end of the day, people walk away with you know faith and trust and a great experience. Uh, from Airbnb and our partners. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you think about the touch points throughout the journey. It's, um, you know, those are all things that people strive to do, but to hear they're part of your core core values and things that you think about right down to the detail is amazing. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, the statement that I've heard from you, I think from watching a, a talk that you had given at a conference around the fact that Airbnb is not a design-driven company. I think some people find that 
um, a bit surprising knowing that it's, you know, founded by designers. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by that statement? Oh, absolutely. I know mean, you hear a lot of that, especially you know, around San Francisco and the Bay Area, that, you know, it's a design driven company or it's an engineering driven company. <laughs> and, you know, I guess the point that I was trying to make is that, you know, no, we're not design driven, but we're also not engineering driven and we're not product driven. Uh, our viewpoint uh, is that a, a company is not going to create the best impact or the best experience or deliver the best value for users or stakeholders as you know, driven by one of these particular disciplines or pillars. Uh, our view is that it's the, through the collaboration of these different pillars, uh, which we call the Triforce, which includes product management, design and research, engineering and data science. Uh, it is through the, these three pillars working together that we have the most impact because really, you know, they, they kind of round each other out and the, there's a, a series of checks and balances in place where we're making sure that our end user experience is not only as best as it possibly can be, but it's also going to improve the business and it's also going to be technologically feasible and reliable and robust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why, you know, when we even staff teams and organize our company, that Triforce appears again and again at every level. So on the executive team, there we have the partnership of the head of product, head of engineering, and head of design. And then at you know, my level in the organization, there's the same thing that repeats all the way down to the most junior person on the team uh, has those partners, that Triforce, uh, offering that series of checks and balances through decision-making uh, and the development process. That's amazing. Um, what a balanced approach. It sounds like what a lot of um, organizations are striving towards creating or changing the, their org structure too. But the fact that you're doing that throughout the, um, throughout the organization is just fascinating. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not always easy. And I think that's <laughs> part of the, the benefit of it, right? Is that like there's a healthy tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes, you know, for one example, you know, we were exploring the way that we would talk about uh, hosting on our homepage. And we know that uh, one of the reasons why people host is they can they can make a, a, a lifestyle off of it. They can you know afford their home. They can you know be able to travel more because they can make money off of hosting. Mm-hmm. And so one way to do it would be to write on our homepage that you can make X dollars by hosting. Uh, but when we talk about that in the, the kind of the Triforce debate, we also think about is that the best experience for our users? Is that the best brand uh, move that we could make? Mm. And so through that discussion, you know, it maybe it took a little bit longer, but through that discussion, we ended up finding a solution that we were excited about on all facets. So one that actually, you know, talks about the experience of hosting and certainly, you know, can clarify the value in hosting in terms of you know, the, the monetary gain, but also recognizing that that's not the only reason why people host. And so we were much more happy with the end result that was then thought of in all capacities. Wow. Okay. Well, it is interesting. I mean, I've heard it from a lot of, um, well, a lot of designers I've been talking to at companies that I would think would consider themselves design driven. I've heard them say, oh, we're not design driven. But I think more and more companies recognize what you're doing, which is it's a balanced approach. It does take three different mindsets to come together to get to the best solution. Um, so interesting, interesting stuff. Um, you know, your use of journey mapping for designing experiences at Airbnb. Can you talk a little bit about what that process looks like? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a very important part of our process, and I'm, I'm quite proud of it. It's actually one of the things that attracted to me to Airbnb originally, mm-hmm. uh, because when I, I saw that we had a, a storyboard on the wall for the entire company to see what our user's journey looked like, mm-hmm. uh, a storyboard being like a comic strip of the user's journey, mm-hmm. uh, I was just so proud of the company, You know, a company that recognizes the importance of the journey and not only you know just in the design team, but that somebody from finance, somebody from HR, that every person working in the company can see it and be reminded about the end user's experience uh, that we're helping to create uh, was very impressive. You know, a lot of companies don't do that. And I was proud to see that Airbnb did. Um, and it's a really important part of the way we work uh, every day. Uh, so the the storyboard that we have it was uh, was actually our founders um, and the, our CEO that was inspired by Walt Disney in the story of creating Snow White. So we call it the Snow White storyboard, uh, and it shows the journey of our guests and it shows the journey of our host. Uh, we try to boil it down to about fifteen frames each because otherwise, you know, you just it gets too big and unwieldy. Mm-hmm. So you think of you know what are the most critical pivotal moments throughout that journey. So when you first arrive at the house and it's that kind of like moment of truth of like, what is, is it what I expected it to be? Um, or the checkout period, all of these things are captured in that storyboard and it's on the wall. Everyone can see it and they're reminded of it. But then on a regular basis, we're, we're also thinking about well, where are we not uh, providing for our, our hosts and our guests throughout that journey? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there moments in, the, in, our, in these frames where we're not helping? And if you were to kind of like do a heat map of where we're spending most of our time uh, and where our digital tools are helping them, like there absolutely are uh, a concentration around the booking experience. And so as we think about you know how might we also use the app and the website to assist people while they're traveling or even before they've checked in. Um, and so we're, we're looking at that. And then we can always go back to the, to the storyboard and maybe sometimes create new frames uh, and replacing old ones with new ways of doing things and see, is it the story still coming together? Is it still a holistic, coherent journey? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that helps us across teams that are all working on different things also say like, oh, that team is working on booking and that team is working on checkout. You know, is there still continuity in that experience or, you know, are these teams creating something that uh, isn't aligned. And we can use that again as a, a checks and balance to the way we do things. Wow. Excellent. So you're using it really as a guide, not so much an artifact. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that I think so. It, it definitely needs to be a living tool and it needs to you know, inspire and, and check in. I mean, we, we literally use that storyboard for everything. Right now we're mapping out how we email, how and when do we email people. And so we've got the storyboard up on the wall as a reminder of the steps in the journey. Mm-hmm. And then we're printing out every single email we send to people and putting it where it happens in the journey. And what's so great is then you take a step back and it's almost like a, um, uh, like a Monet, you know, you <laughs> see like the impressionist view. Is just, oh my goodness. We're sending like 12 emails to people when they're you know, uh, booking, but we're, we're completely ignoring that right. opportunity uh, later in the journey. Right, right. It's all our fears. Like you see what really happens and you think, oh, boy, do we bombard them? And then we went into a black hole. Yeah, yeah right. right. <laughs> um, my next question, I love asking this question. And I know some designers, they make them cringe. Um, <laughs> but you had noted that you define design as intent. And I love asking people how they define design, because you get all sorts of crazy answers. Um, but I'd love to hear what you mean by that. 
Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I am so fascinated by this. Um, and I think that's maybe why I'm excited about my de- definition, the, the definition I choose to use. Uh, because every time you'd ask somebody about design, they'll, they'll go on and on, you know, and it's like three sentences long. And uh, and it's true. Like all the things that they describe design as is, you know, I agree. It is true. Um I personally want to look at, you know, at the core though, you know, when you come back to you cut it down to its bits, right? You know, the Occam's razor of mm-hmm. what is design. Um, I think it's very dangerous to say that design is, is solving problems or that, you know, design is you know, making something that's useful, usable and desirable. It's like, that is absolutely the I- ideal. I want design to do that. But the fact of the matter is I can design a chair that isn't very comfortable, but it's still designed it. <laughs> and that's the way I look at design is that, you know, design is just simply using intention in your decision making uh so you know what we've seen in the past is that you know somebody might make a chair and they're literally just like throwing things together and then you know the material that's on the cutting room floor and but you pull all this stuff together that's not design because you're not actually thoughtfully considering you know do i want this curve to look this way or that way uh but the the fact of the matter is you can use intention and just doesn't always come out the way that somebody would say objectively that that is correct mm-hmm. uh, so, you know it's it's just all about using you know, choice and intention and my hope is that when we do use intention uh we're considering our users we're considering our environment we're considering our business and therefore will come up with something that is useful usable and desirable mm-hmm. that makes sense it encompasses it all sure um, beyond beyond your work at Airbnb, I'm curious if there are projects or people that are grabbing your attention that you're finding interesting these days. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm very fortunate to live in San Francisco, which is a vibrant, creative community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's just a lot of companies in, in our area that are doing interesting things. Um, but I'll, I'll give you an example of um, some folks that are outside San Francisco uh, and that, you know, I've had the liberty or the, the uh, the luck of running into and getting to know a bit. Uh, two folks that you know, I find doing impressive things. T- Tobias uh, Van Schneider. I think actually it's Tobias Van Schneider. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, I'm talking about, yeah, and he um, at Spotify, he was doing incredible work um, as a creative leader, but also what's just so interesting about him and it, you know, it kind of strikes me as a, a renaissance man is that, you know, he's doing interesting you know, physical products. He just worked on a, a beard oil packaging, I believe. <laughs> and then he, I, I think he might be something skateboards. He, he always hints to these things um, in his Twitter feed and Instagram. And I mean, it just seems like every day he's working on something new and exciting. And uh, he's also a very great writer and has a lot of uh, good posts uh, in, on Medium that are, are quite interesting for uh, designers this day and age. Um, and then I would also say uh, Mark Hemian is somebody that I, I ran into at a Epicurrence that's put on by Dan Petty. And Mark is, uh, he, he was at North, uh, which is a, a startup that he and um, his buddy began. And now he's at Brigade, which is a, a really interesting product. Um, and with Brigade, you can kind of start a social discourse around interesting topic areas. And, and that really excites me because you know, we're using design to uh, bring people into uh, really juicy and very thought-provoking conversations. And I love to see how design can be uh, a tool to energize public debate about you know, real issues that matter uh, and to make it relevant for people. Because I think for so long, you know, voting and, and hearing about what, what's happening uh, in the government has been somewhat uh ignored by the creative class. And I think these tools are helping to bring it up into uh, our foray. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I think a lot of people are recognizing the power of design when they start to see it and these social impact circles and circumstances for sure. Um, Really interesting. Um, I just saw that. uh, I just saw um, 
Tobias, if that's how you say his name, post about the beard oil. That's so funny. Yes. I'm like, I wouldn't forget that. <laughs> I, I wish I had a beard. <laughs> right, right. Um, you, you and also from from listening to you speak, you've you've talked about the importance of design and business um, creating as partners. And I, you know, when talking to really a lot of older, larger companies like IBM and GE, I see them either doing this or doing more of it. Um, but I'd love to hear about what that is like um, and how it plays out at Airbnb. Yeah. I um, I mean, it definitely comes back to the Triforce that I was talking about is recognizing that, you know, that there are um, equal partners in the discussion, but it comes down to, in some ways, a, a shift in thinking about when is design a part of the process uh, in creating product. And that is, you know, the, the shift is to think of design as a way of also helping to define business strategy. Mm-hmm. And where I learned about that was I, uh, essentially a study abroad while I was at design school. I went to NCAD business school and I was there to learn about the business of design. But what I actually ended up taking away that I thought was far more powerful was that with designers and business folks working together, we were able to look at a problem from different viewpoints uh, and together establish a better way of solving that problem that was looking at not only the the business metrics, but the user experience. Uh, the designers had tools for generating, bringing ideas out of people, mm-hmm. uh, tools for narrowing things down. Uh, and so that really helped even you know, the business strategists to maybe do their work differently and in some cases more efficiently and effectively. Uh, and so that shift you know, which I recognized when I was at school uh, is something that I think is also a part of, you know, a lot of folks here at Airbnb and the way that we think about doing our work. And so that triforce of product management, engineering, and design working together from, you know, point zero on the, the, the process of what problems are we trying to solve and how might we solve that and why might we solve it and what should be the roadmap in, in getting there uh, is a, a, a a process that is facilitated through design thinking and it is a process that is uh, including all of those voices uh, in a way that we think gets us to some solutions that are a little bit more creative than we otherwise would have gotten to, uh, but also thoughtfully considered in terms of the technology and the business impact. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you, I mean, clearly there must be an awful lot of strong, strong individuals at, at Airbnb, but people that know how to drop their ego at the door too. Yes. <laughs> Actually, for the for the design team, um, we have like a, a credo that we're still working on the words because we're not totally thrilled about it. But the essentially idea is that you know what we look to hire is that people that have you know, humility, craft, and hustle. And mm-hmm. the reason for that is that, you know, yes, we want the best designers on the planet working here and people that have exceptional craft and taste and care about every detail and and do their work with with pride but of course that that bit that you mentioned right is that they they have to leave leave their ego at the door i mean we're designing for our users at the end of the day and it's not for us it's for them Uh, many of our users most of our users are in other parts of the world that you know some of us have never been to Mm -hmm. we we really need to understand what what they need and not about ourselves. And also, again, going back to the Triforce is that it's not just about the design point of view, it's about a, a collaborative point of view to get there. And so humility is core to that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, of course, you, 
you can't just uh, sit around and talk about it. You know, it's about the hustle. It's about the execution. It's about taking action and being proactive to solve problems. Uh, And so those are the three things that we use uh, when we're thinking about, you know, whether or not to bring a person onto the team. And I think it makes a big difference in how our people show up uh, to work every day. Sure, sure. That's a great, that's a great uh, way of approaching it. I love it because you're right. Without all three, you're left with sort of meh. So um, I don't know how long you've been managing, but I'm curious to know what is the biggest lesson you've learned to date about um, management? Mm, um, Yeah, how long have I been managing it? I've been managing a while and certainly in my year and a half at Airbnb, I've gotten a, um, a good dose of management. Uh, I have, um, I've quite quadrupled the team since I've been here. Um, and at many stages have had over 15, uh, people reporting into me as we've been building out the team and hiring on additional leaders. So I've hired leaders. I've promoted within, I've, you know, I've let, I've, I've seen people go um, and I've implemented uh, a, a hierarchical structure and I've implemented career ladders. Um, and a, a lot of these things have been um, exceptionally uh, transformative for our, for our company and for our team, but as well for, for myself and my experience and, and what I'm learning. Uh, and I guess I would say the biggest learning and all of this, and I would say it's probably not that obvious, but I'll, I'll give my own take on it. <laughs> Um, is just, you know, hiring good people Mm. and really, really focusing on that. Um, And the reason why I would stress that is that um, I think, you know, there's some issues, right, which is the tendencies that keep us from hiring good people and and building up the team in a a thoughtful way is that it's either, you know, the makeup and the mix of who and when um, or lowering a hiring bar. And so I'll speak to to some of that and what I've learned in the time period that I've been managing. Um, so one, I, I think the makeup of a team, you know, I, I look at it as kind of like a great cocktail, right? You want to have the balance of flavors. You want those flavors flavors to play off each other. And you don't want to use too much of a good thing. Like just because you really like, you know, the man, I'm really bad at making drinks, but uh, (laughs) just because you really like the uh, the grenadine, you know, you don't throw it all in uh, because it's going to overweigh um, other outweigh other things. And so I, I think about that on the team. And so, you know, pacing when you're bringing on a more junior person versus a more senior. You know, you want to balance like, all right, well, we really need to get work done. However, we really need somebody that's going to help with um, the strategy of how we're going to get work done or somebody to be able to support others. Uh, and so making sure you're, you're thinking that through and not bringing on too many juniors without enough seniors or vice versa. Uh, and then also, you know, problems aren't solved by just throwing all of the horsepower, all of the most senior people at it, mm-hmm. uh, because then you, you can have clashes of leadership. You can have uh, indecision because you have too many cooks in the kitchen. And so being really thoughtful with how you're stacking that team um, and making sure that you're recognizing that some people are going to um, amplify each other and some people are going to um, hold each other back. So being thoughtful with that. Um, and then in terms of the hiring bar, uh, you know, we are growing very, very fast. Uh, our user base is growing quite quickly and we need to keep up. Uh, we need to be able to provide a, a really high quality product for ever more users all around the globe in more languages on more platforms. And so there's, there's definitely an urgency to hire. Uh, but what I've, you know, thought about in the, the time period that I've been here is that I'd much rather bring on a, a contractor than hire somebody that isn't the best fit for the job. Uh, then I've you know worked with the team and on what do we look 
and what are the the questions that we ask and how do we interview and uh, mm-hmm. what are the things that you know are uh, deal breakers and what are the things that we're you know we are prepared to work with people on uh, to make sure that that bar stays as high as it possibly can be because the truth is is that one you know bad nut can spoil the bunch uh, <laughs> somebody who's not going to hold up their weight or somebody that's going to you know be a con- a cultural parasite because you know that they uh, change the spirit of the team and I think that that has really shown um, uh, the power of our team to, to stay together and um, to be tight knit, even as we've quadrupled, um, and to you know trust each other and know that people are going to to deliver uh, is really in about keeping that bar quite high. And when we need to just staff up real quick, uh, maybe moving towards a contractor model as opposed to a, a full time hire. Sure, sure. That's a great um, lesson for everybody, right? It's it's one in patience because, you know, you feel almost desperate sometimes when you're looking for like, oh, we need, you know, we really need to build up and you're like, oh, you know, looking at looking at folks where you say, oh, well, they're okay, but I'm not wowed by them or they don't necessarily feel like a good fit. Well, once you start down that path, it's hard to come back. Oh, so true. So true. Yeah. Um, what do you think, sort of a meta question, is the next big challenge for design as a discipline? Mm. Um, hmm. Well, the, I can answer that in terms of like what problems do we have to solve in terms of like the output. Yeah. Um, but I can also talk about it in terms of you know, design as a discipline as, you know, people being educated in design and therefore, you know, what is their career paths and where are they going? Sure. Uh, Let's hear both. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Well, I would say for the output and what problems we're trying to solve, uh, I think it's, uh, it's probably something you've you've heard before and I'm sure you've talked about it yourself is that you're designing for ever more platforms. Uh, You know, we, new devices are coming onto the scene and the uh, abilities of these devices are ever increasing. So, you know, we've got phones, we've got TVs, we've got tablets, we've got wearables, um, screens of all different sizes, screens that can move and change and uh, things that are moving across time and place. And now they know where I am and where I'm going and how fast I'm moving. Uh, and so with all of these uh, various out, uh, forms of or platforms for us to design on, we have to make sure that our design work is is showing up appropriately and and leveraging those platforms well to mm-hmm. meet the ever increasing expectations of our users, uh, which is hard. Uh, just you know, responsive design is alone hard. You know, you have to design that one screen in five different ways mm-hmm. uh, and know that's going to show up well in each one of those. Uh, and it, in, includes exceptional uh, importance in collaboration between engineering and design. And I think responsive is just the beginning of it. You know, we we have to think much farther beyond that because it's not just being responsive to the size of the screen, but it's also being responsive to who's using it and how good is their eyesight and uh, what language do they speak and are they moving or are they standing still? Uh, And if you think about all those various things that we could know about the way someone's looking at something, we could be making a different design for a great number of factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a very big challenge for us to get to. Um, but the good thing is, is that technology is also helping us in terms of the tools to, to design for. Mm-hmm. Um 
But the other piece, uh, what, you know, it might be a, a challenge for design as a discipline, which I think is quite interesting, is that, uh, you know, if, if you ask what word I use more than any other, I would probably say design uh, outside of A and the, <laughs> but design is definitely, I, I feel like I, I talk about it a lot. And of course, it's my job. Uh, but what's interesting to me is that, you know, that it is such a topic of discussion and that, you know, they, um, we, we talk about it among, you know, other designers. It's like, how do we get design a seat at the table? And how is design? you know, doing strategy, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think it, we're getting to the point where it, that should be, and in many cases, in many companies, it, it is known and is commonplace. Uh, and I think what we are, you know, we're seeing is that design is such a, a needed skill and it's such a desired skill that you know, we are probably heading on a path where it could become, in some ways, what people know of design uh, as a commoditized skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, we will have a more technology that can do a lot of the design that we're already doing. Uh, and then we'll also have uh, so many folks that hopefully will be learning design, you know, a part of, you know, their finger painting class. And that they'll be, you know, learning design thinking uh, as a part of their their regular discipline. Like I would love that. Um, and then when that happens, that that could change uh, the premium that a lot of designers uh, have come accustomed to. Uh, now, I'm not really worried about that because I, I do think while design, many of the skills are becoming commoditized, many of the other skills are becoming a premium uh, and that you know, we'll continue to look in, and shift in that way and design will become a part of different conversations. Uh, but I do think you know, design as we know it will inherently over time change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting when I when I bring up the topic of you know, design, you know, everyone learning design, you get different reactions, very strong reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, because just like you hear the the mantra of everyone should learn how to code, um, everyone should learn to design. Well, but it doesn't, it's not going to make everybody an expert designer. Yes. Um, <laughs> if everyone can cook, doesn't mean everyone's a chef. Right. Doesn't mean everyone's good at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, interesting. Um, and my final question for you, without spilling any, you know, secret sauce, is what's next for Airbnb? Um, you know, I was, I mentioned to you earlier, I was reading a short article in Fast Company, um, and it mentioned um, hosting the future Olympics, um, which is super cool. Um, but I'd love to hear, you know, at least what your thoughts or what your wishes are, if you can't speak to what, you know, obviously the plans are. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, well, absolutely. It's a great question. And obviously something that we, you know, I am thinking a lot about, um, and I'll, I'll give you the, the answer more from, you know, the design point of view in, in terms of uh, kind of my scope, which is uh, experience design, which is basically all of the, the digital products that enable the experience that our, our guests and hosts um, use to, to foster the experience. Um, so our, our focus is, is definitely it's on, on growth and quality and innovation. Uh, and what I mean by growth is that, uh, we, we are absolutely growing like gangbusters globally. And, you know, we have more, more and more guests and hosts every day. And with that, we have ever more challenges on a global scale. Uh, we have more languages, more cultures, more, more things to think about. Uh, you know, somebody from uh, Sao Paulo needs to feel at ease using our product um, and feel like it's truly local while they're traveling to you know, Paris and they're going to interact with somebody that doesn't speak their language. Uh, and so we have quite a bit of challenge in just trying to create a product that feels local anywhere you use it, uh, but is 
truly, truly global. Um, and in that way, uh, we, we have to make sure that we have a really good sense of how our product is showing up and where it's failing and where it's succeeding um, in all the corners of the globe. Uh, so we have a research team that, that travels the globe to learn and we have our designers as part of that uh, collaboration to, to see firsthand what's happening with our product and, and identify places where we can improve it. Uh, and then we, we will, of course, grow our team to be able to uh, aid in all of that. Uh, I would also say the um, the quality part is that we want to make sure that our product uh, is robust, it's powerful, it's really useful, and it's it's beautiful. Um, we want to make sure that the people that use our product uh, find it you know, a joy to use and that it gets out of the way at all the right times. Mm-hmm. We don't want people to spend time on our product uh, looking at our, our digital app. We want them to be out experiencing the world and getting to know a place like a local could. And with that, you know, we have to have a really you know, tight, seamless interaction uh, that is is there just when you need it. And I think that means we have to be really, really good at what we do. Uh, we want to make sure that there's consistency in the experience so you don't have to learn a new way of doing things, every different platform you use or every new page that you go on to. Uh, we need to make sure that uh, the the thing it functions as you would expect it to uh, and that it provides just exactly what you're looking for. Um, and I, I would say, and I, I said this before, is that you know, we, we are trying to build trust. We're trying to build trust between you know a global community, and we also want them to trust this platform as uh, the support for their experiences. And quality is really a, a key component of that. Uh, if there's something about our our app or our website that uh, doesn't work as you'd expect, or you know you click on that and you know it just it spins and it doesn't do what you're you're expecting it to do, then that erodes that sense of trust that you have in our product and and therefore erodes the sense of trust you have in the entire ecosystem and community. So it's really important for us to get that right. And so we're spending a lot of time improving our tools, our processes uh, in order to do that ever better every day. And the, the third part of what we're looking at for the future is uh, the innovation piece. Uh, we have a product today, as I mentioned in our, our storyboard, that is primarily focused on the booking experience. And the booking experience is a very big part of what we do. It's where you know, a host and a guest are, are first getting to know each other. But we understand and we recognize that the experience that our hosts and guests are, are going through in using our product and exploring the world is a multi-stage journey. So we're constantly looking at ways that we can better design for them and and help them in that journey. And so that might be greatly improving the booking experience so that it's more seamless so that you, when you put in a search term, you're not just receiving a slew of results, but you're receiving actual options that you're excited about uh, or ways that we can better connect to people before they ever meet and get to know each other um, or ways that during your travel experience, we can help you get to know the place that you're visiting or experience it in a whole nother way. Uh, and so we're starting to think about ever more uh, parts of the journey that one might go on and leveraging the power of a digital platform and leveraging the, the mobility of these platforms so that we can better address your needs at different times. Uh, so that really means being more contextual with the information that we give you uh, and also being uh, more present at other stages of that journey. Excellent. That's fascinating. It's all about context, it seems these days. Indeed. Thank you very much, Katie, for joining me. I appreciate you making time today. Thank you, Mary. You can find Katie on Twitter at LIL underscore Dill. 
Thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, remember to subscribe through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. (laughs) 